What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Badger, and welcome to Talkin' Fit. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for listening to Talkin' Fit. If you get any value out of this episode, just share it out there. It is genuinely the lifeblood of how this thing continues to exist and will continue to grow over years. So if you have it in you, leave a five-star review. You can do that on iTunes by just scrolling down to the bottom of the podcast page and literally literally just tapping the fifth star. You don't even have to tap all five stars. You just have to tap the fifth one and it'll give a five-star review. It is the least you can do, right? If you feel a, doing uh, a step above that, you can write a brief review. If you want to go a step above that, you can share the link by texting it to a friend or sharing it to your Instagram or Facebook and tagging me. Anything that you do you uh, to share the podcast or to support it, I genuinely appreciate it. And at bare minimum, if you just listen to it and get value from it and then apply the information, then that's more than enough too because that's all I'm putting this out for, right? So first thing I want to do today is I want to I share a quick story with you that does tie back into uh, your needs and, and what you come here for, but it is, uh, it is something that happened recently. So it's uh, today's Thursday, so Monday night, going into Tuesday morning, apparently someone uh, broke into my car, which uh, it, it ab- actually happened to a bunch of houses in my development. Uh, so just as a side note, I live in a pretty, you know, nice development, less, you know, upper middle class suburban, uh, you know, development, uh, a, a basically like a town that I would have hated when I was a kid growing up poor. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm definitely not rich by any means, but it's a nice house. It's a nice development, not the type of neighborhood that you think your car, your car would be getting broken into at probably like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, but anyway, I bet, I guess a group of, I don't know if they were kids or adults, but uh, they just went around the neighborhood that night and broke into a bunch of people's cars. So some people got gift cards stolen out of their car. One person got like 500 bucks stolen out of their wallet. Um, another person only got 20 bucks. Um, I fortunately don't keep anything of value in my car, so I didn't get anything taken from me. But it did get me to think about, like think of things from this point of view, because you know, these, this group of people were, they were, you know, running around at, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, probably closer to two or three in the morning, because I get up at three forty-five and I didn't notice anything. So um, probably earlier than that. And they came away with at least like 520 bucks. And according to people's ring cameras, there was about four of them. So if you split that four ways, that's about what, 125 bucks a person, give or take. So, you know, they came away with about 125 bucks each and they had to spend the night like up late, wasn't super warm that night. So a little chilly, uh, running around the neighborhood, breaking into people's cars, possibly getting caught high risk, uh, relatively low reward. I mean, if you think about it, making 125 bucks and for a couple hours worth of work doesn't sound like too bad of a deal. For most people, if you said, hey, you gotta work for two hours uh, Tuesday night, but you're gonna make 125 bucks, they'd be like, yeah, that's pretty sweet, I'll, I'll do that. But here's the problem. Uh, to make that same $125 consistently for these four people, they would have to 
continue to break into people's cars in different neighborhoods because you can't keep hitting the same well multiple times because people will you know start catching on or staying up later to catch you uh it's high risk you could get arrested <laughs> you could get put in jail um you could you know even worse if someone catches you like literally like one of my neighbors it's a husband and a wife and they're both fucking cops and they got hit so you have you're breaking into the car of two cops so you know you're if they want if they uh, exhausted their resources they could fucking find you so my point is it's a it's a quick fix it's a quick 125 bucks right it sounds appealing to some people like the group of people who are walk, running around the neighborhood robbing because they're like, they don't want to go work for 125 bucks. Um, if you know, I'm assuming they're probably younger kids. So like if they were to get a job for 15 bucks an hour, you'd have to work almost 10 hours to make 125 bucks. You know, probably like what's that eight or nine hours to make 125 bucks. Whereas they made it in, you know, a couple hours running around with their friends. So it sounds more appealing than getting a job. But if they were playing the long game, you know, let's, you know, think logically. Again, high risk. They have to now repeat that process over and over to make that same $125. And there's going to be plenty of nights where probably they don't. And if the more times they do it, the higher likelihood they're going to get caught. And then the consequence is very, very high. And they could potentially be screwing up their future by getting arrested at a very young age, going to jail or you know having that on their record. It just doesn't look good. And then now you have to spend months and years recovering from that rebuilding your reputation you know having to talk about that at job interviews about why you have a criminal record it is a lot of shit to think about but obviously they're probably younger you know kids maybe early 20s late teens who aren't thinking about that stuff but my point if you haven't caught on to the analogy already is that this is how people approach their weight loss or their health they're looking for the quick fix. They're looking for the thing that's going to get them the result as quick as possible. And they're not taking into account now that now in order to keep that result or to continue to get that result or to get that result again, they have to now repeat this high risk, dangerous, quick fix process over and over and over again. And every time you do it, there's a higher and higher risk of bigger consequences. And in order to sustain that level of weight loss or that level of result, you have to then go back to that same very risky, stressful process in order to get that result. Whereas if you had just gotten on board with a long-term sustainable approach, you don't have to go through the hoops and the hurdles of quick fixes, recovering from them, making up for them, and then years and years down the line, paying the price and then actually having to do the work to recover. So like with the people robbing, you know, let's say they even make a few thousand dollars over the course of a season robbing people. Then they get caught. And now they have legal fees. They could potentially go to jail or pay fines. They have it on their criminal record. It could affect their ability to get a good job in the future and affect their ability to earn wages later on. It's they're not taking into account long-term consequences. So when you're doing these quick fix diets like Weight Watchers and Octavia and 
whatever the other ones are that are out there, uh, 21 day fix, or I'm going to try keto, I'm going to do intermittent fasting, whatever it is, you know, you're not taking into account, like, am I just doing this because I want this quick hit now? Am I actually planning for the future? Am I actually planning on staying in shape, on actually changing my health, or am I just looking for a quick fix? Because the consequences do come, just like the people who broke into cars. Eventually, if they continue to do that, they will get caught by somebody. And it's not going to be a fun process. Either someone's going to tackle them uh, in the street or they're going to get caught by cops and they have to deal with those consequences. It's the same thing with these crash diets. You think it's an innocent, well, I just wanted to try it. I hear that a lot, right? Like, I just wanted to try Octavia. I mean, it can't hurt. I feel like I would just try it. It actually can hurt. It can fuck up your relationship with food. It can fuck you up internally. It can be, you know, really negative consequences. And eventually, just like these kids, eventually they're going to have to get a job and get a steady paycheck and set up a 401k and do all the boring adult shit that we all do in order to plan for the future. And just like them with your nutrition, eventually you're going to have to start eating more protein. You're going to have to start building sustainable habits. You're going to have to start changing the way you approach health and fitness. And you can choose to start doing that today, or you can continue to do the quick fixes, the little car break-in diets over the course of the next few years, and then be five years in, 10 years in, not have kept the results, have tried over and over again, damaged your metabolism, damaged your hormones, and been stressed out the whole time to now finally go, all right, I'm ready to try this for real. And then you have to deal with healing your hormones, healing your metabolism. And then you have to deal with the mindset barriers of, oh my God, the scales are dropping fast. Oh my God, this isn't as fast as Weight Watchers. Oh my God, Octavia, I lost five pounds a week. Oh my God, and building muscle. And I do this every day with clients. I help them do this. And I see it all the time. So this, I'm not speaking from theory here. This is just how people operate. So anyway, I hope that story made sense. And I also wanted to thank the people who broke into my car because you gave me something to talk about on my podcast. So uh, I actually derived a win from that situation. But again, nothing was taken. No one was hurt. So it's really not, it's not super dramatic or anything like that as far on my end. But it just did get me thinking about how people approach this process. So if you want, good segue, to build a sustainable long-term approach to losing weight, but again, this isn't just about weight loss, actually being healthier, actually being stronger, actually being around longer for your kids and your eventual grandkids to actually have a better relationship with food, a better relationship with your body. All the stuff that you say that you want, but then hop on Octavia or Weight Watchers that doesn't support that belief, um, then you have to do stuff the way that I'm going to lay out to you here today. So these are like, you know, a few things that you should be focusing on if you actually want to see results long term. And one big one that no one really talks about, actually, I, I take that back. People are starting to talk about it now more in the fitness space if you're following along. Um, if you're not just following fitness influencers and, you know, quick fixes, if you're following actual coaches and, and uh, you know, industry leaders and people who are good at this stuff. We all talk about uh, the importance of identity. How you identify yourself is super important and how successful you're going to be towards your goals with your health and with your fitness and with your weight loss. If you are consistently or you've been 
identifying yourself as an out of shape person, it does not matter how many diets you try, you will not be in shape because you're never going to break through if you continue to view yourself as an out of shape person. Um, You have to start now, even if it feels like bullshit. You have to start identifying yourself with the person you want to become, not who you currently are. Your identity is rooted in who you want to become, not in who you currently are. So your intentions, your actions, and your beliefs all have to be in line. You can't say, I want to lose weight and be healthier but then constantly hop on Weight Watchers and Octavia because those are not healthy. They do not promote health. They're not good for you. So don't tell me you want to be healthy and then do Octavia or Weight Watchers. Same thing with the relationship with food. Don't tell me you want a good relationship with food, but then tell me you want to do keto and cut out carbs. Don't tell me that you want to set a good example for your kids, but then you want to crash diet every you know few months because uh, you have a wedding or summer's coming or you saw a picture that you hated of yourself. Your, your beliefs and your intentions and your actions all have to be in line. So first, it starts with belief. Do you believe that you can be an in-shape, healthy person? That's step number one. You have to believe that it's possible, okay? You have to identify with that long-term goal. So I don't care where you're at right now. I don't care if you've never worked out before or you've been kind of toggling with it and, and toying in it for the last couple of years identify yourself as an in-shape person. I am going to become someone who is in shape. Not I want to get in shape. I am going to become a person who is in shape, a person who behaves like they're in shape and actually identify what those behaviors are. And then your intentions, you have to intend to do it. Like it sounds really dumb, but you can't just like haphazardly try this stuff. You have to have intention behind your beliefs. Okay, I'm intend. I'm gonna intend to do this by, uh, you know, waking up every morning and I'm gonna plan my day and I'm gonna, I'm you know, make sure I, I have my workouts in check. Like you have to have intention. So your intentions, your beliefs, they have to be in line. And then your actions have to be in line with that. So again, you can't say I want to be healthier, but then say oh my God, the scale spiked up. Should I cut my calories? Because that's not healthy. Health is not just losing weight. Health is not cutting calories. Eating healthy does not always mean eating less. There's so much nuance to that. So you have to figure out where am I currently at? Where do I want to be? And then identify with that person you want to become. And then your intentions and your actions need to line up with that belief. So one of the things that separates people who stay in shape from people who don't ever get in shape is that people who stay in shape just identify themselves as someone who is in shape. And I've had clients who I've trained for a long time who it took me a long time to get them to fully buy into that. One of my most uh, successful clients, and when I say successful, it doesn't always mean that like there's this crazy transformation picture or they lost a bunch of weight. Successful means that he's been consistent for the last five years, uh, you know, and when I say consistent, I don't mean perfect. We've slowly worked on his nutrition. We've slowly worked on his training. But at the end of the day, he's been consistent for the last five years. Um, I, I, I've been training him one-on-one. You know, we've become good friends. Uh, he's also very uh, successful in life. But speaking of, like, the fitness realm, uh, he didn't start training with me until he was 50, okay? 50. So... You know, keep that in mind. He was 50, going on 51, and that's when he started training with me. He had never gotten into lifting weights before. So if you're 30, 
seven years old and you're like, oh, it's too late for me or oh, I'm past my prime. My client, who's one of my most successful clients in terms of fitness, didn't start training with me until he was 50. So we started training when he was 50. I had to basically teach him weightlifting from scratch. Uh, you know, before that he had just done like, you know, some, some running, but not like, you know, super competitively. He had maybe hopped into like some boot camps earlier, you know, in his life, but like nothing like crazy. So never learned proper technique or, or anything about strength training, but he committed to training with me three times a week. And then actually at first it was only one time a week and then one time turned into two and then two turned into three. And then, you know, after a while, it was four. And then he started training me five. And now for the last few years, he's been training me, you know, five days a week. And that might sound like a lot to you. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have to train five days a week to be successful with this. But uh, we moderate his training based on the his work stress, life stress, how he's feeling. So some days we come in and we push it hard. And some days we come in and we're just doing mobility. So he just likes the routine of getting up and, and, and you know, getting in, into the gym. Anyway, about six, seven months ago. Uh, so now we're talking, we're four and a half years in at that point. Uh, he was in conversation, just happened to refer to himself as like an old fat guy, right? And keep in mind, this guy has never been fat. <laughs> he just, um, he's not an overweight person. But, you know, he just was like, yeah, you know, just old fat guys like me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and I just stopped him, like, dude you're not an old fat guy. Like you got to stop with that. I'm like, you can deadlift double your body weight. You can jump on a 30 inch box. I can have you do sprints on the assault bike. You can keep up, you know, with pretty much any 30 something year old client that I, that I know of. I'm like, you're not fucking an old fat guy. Like you're in shape and you work out five days a week and you've been doing really good with your nutrition. So stop referring to yourself as that. And then we dug into that conversation and it just turns out that like he, in his job, you know, he's, he works with a lot of, you know, uh, people in their, you know, successful people in their fifties who are all haven't been taking care of their health. So when you're in that environment, you just assimilate to that environment. Like, oh yeah, we're just a bunch of old fat guys. I said, dude, like you're just falling into that trap because that's not you. That's not you. And it was just a light bulb moment for him. And ever since that conversation, he's been had a, just a different attitude towards everything. And it took, like I said, it took took years. But until he made that comment, uh, you know, he had made small comments before in the past. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I just kind of like rushed it off and be like, oh, man, like, you know, come on, that's not true. But then finally, I was just like, bro, like, you got to stop this. And I have this conversation with a lot of people. I had another client who's recently, again, another client, she's 62. And she, you know, kept referring to herself as like out of shape. And I told her, I was like, you are so used to referring to yourself as out of shape that you don't even realize that you've become in shape. You're now in shape. You can go hike a mountain on your own and not be out of breath. You can deadlift in the hundred, you know, hundreds of pounds. You're in better shape than you've ever been in your life. Stop calling yourself out of shape. You're just used to saying it to yourself. So, you know, there's been times in my life where I've probably not been in great shape um, in my adult life after working out for years where maybe I wasn't like keeping up with um, my conditioning or maybe I just wasn't pushing it hard enough or I was stressed or whatever it was, but I never viewed myself as an out of shape person. And there's been times where I've gone to do like a, a new workout or, a, you know, go to run a mile and like I hadn't done it in a while and it fucking smokes me and I'm like, Jesus, man, get your shit together. But I never am like, I'm an out of shape person. Oh, I'm just out of shape. 
No, it's just I haven't been doing, I haven't been working on that area of my fitness. I got to work on that more. And that's huge. You have to identify yourself as an in-shape person or else you're never going to be in shape because you're not going to truly believe that that's you. So if you are someone who refers to themselves as fat or old and fat or out of shape, you got to stop. Say, I'm working on getting in shape, you know, oh, I'm getting in better shape or I'm improving my, like whatever it is, but you can't just be like, I'm out of shape because if you say that one too many times, it becomes fact in your brain. So stop doing that. So anyway, these are a few things that I wish I had paid more attention to earlier when I started working out. Now, again, I understand you might think, well, Adam, it's easier for you. You're a coach, right? Um, and, and I started young, but I didn't start focusing a lot of this stuff until my later years of training. And granted, I know that I'm only 32 right now, but my training age, which is a very important topic to talk about, my training age is like 18, not, you know, 17, 18 years old, which means that's how long I've been training for. So your training age is very important. If you're 53 and you've been working out for two years, uh, actually, you know, training and actually working out, your training age is two years old. <laughs> so uh, your training age is always less than your real age, uh, but your training age is something that the older your training age is, the better because it means you've been consistent for longer. So your training age is super important. So it doesn't matter if you're if you're 37 and you've been kind of hopping into spin classes and uh, you know body pump classes for the last 10 years, your training age is now not even a year old because you've never actually like trained and built muscle and uh, you know, you know, ate enough protein and all that stuff. So your training age is super important. But anyway, my training age is you know 18 years old which means i've been doing this for 18 years uh so it's a long time for most people their training age is not very long because they just don't stay consistent for long enough so over 18 years these are things that i wish i had been paying attention to on year one but like any other skill it takes time it takes practice to learn this stuff so the first thing would be sticking to the basics again these are things that you should be paying attention to right now if you actually want to build sustainable long-term health sticking to the basics and this is kind of across the board with everything but i'm i'm just, i'm really just honing in on like the workout piece right now when it comes to working out stick to the basics don't need to get super creative you don't need to be bouncing all around and jumping on things and and have uh, bands wrapped around every part of your body stick to the basics <coughs> Learn how to do a, a good squat. Learn how to do a good deadlift. Learn how to do a push-up. Learn how to do a row. Um, learn how to do a lunge. Learn how to, you know, properly jog or sprint. Like, learn these basic, basic things and get really, really good at them. You'll notice that as your training age, and you'll notice this with a lot of people, as your training age matures, your workouts get more and more and more basic. People think that they get more and more advanced. They get more and more basic because you weed out the bullshit and you actually start to stick to what works. So for me, when I was younger, I thought like, you know, 
uh, and this might sound like, you know, foreign language to some people, but like I, in the gym, there's like all these different machines that just, there's different type of rows, there's different type of lat pull downs, there's different types of chest presses, there's different types of shoulder presses. Um, I thought like, you know, there was like a million different rows you needed to learn and a, a bunch of different pull downs and, you know, you should do, oh, this guy's workout looks good. That guy's workout looks good. Um, and I would just bounce around too much. Should I do CrossFit? Should I do powerlifting? Should I do bodybuilding? Um, if you break everything down, it really just comes down to being really, really good at the basic fundamental stuff. So learning how to do pulls. So some sort of pull that's like a lat pull down or a pull up, getting good at that. Um, you know, pick one or two and just get really good at them. Same thing with rows. Get really good at doing rows. This can be dumbbell rows, uh, chest supported rows, uh, inverted rows with body weight. Pushes. Get really good at doing, you know, Dumbbell chest presses, some sort of push-up variation, maybe some sort of shoulder press variation. You know, get good at doing a squat. Now, it doesn't have to be a barbell squat. It can be a goblet squat. It can be a box squat, so squatting to a box and up. It can be a barbell squat if you feel comfortable doing that, but some sort of squat variation. If you absolutely are have really bad mobility issues and you haven't learned how to properly squat yet, you know, get good at uh, a leg press or something like that to start building up that strength learn how to deadlift doesn't have to be on a barbell it can be on a hex bar it could be with kettlebells but learn how to properly pick something that's relatively up off the ground because think about how much that's going to serve you in day-to-day -day life and then learn how to do uh, a lunge like a proper lunge no, or a split squat if you learn how to do all those things you will be in really good shape and if you continue to get better at them you will learn you will be in phenomenal shape you'll be really really strong uh, and then on top of that, you know, make sure you know how to properly walk and jog. And that sounds really dumb, but those are also skills. If you walk or run and you have a lot of joint pain, it just means you're probably not doing it right. So learn how to do that right. And learn how to have proper form with that stuff. Number two, track your monthly and yearly progress, not just your day-to-day, week-to-week. This feeds into building that long-term mindset. So if you're flipping shit over day-to-day -day scale fluctuations or week-to-week, -week, you're like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. You know, it, I should be seeing better results by now. Why aren't the results coming? You have a distorted view of how this works. It's a slow process. And no matter how much you try, you cannot speed it up. Um, if I knew how to speed it up for you, I would package that and sell it. But there is no way to speed it up. Your body is going to change at the rate it's going to change. Yes, there are areas you could probably put more effort into. Um, if you're half-assing it, then you're not going to see as good of results as someone who's full-assing it. But you have to be putting in effort. But even if you're putting in 80 90% effort and you're 80-90% consistent, which is a perfect area to be, the results are going to come when they come. You can't keep questioning your, your life every time the scale fluctuates, every time a week goes by and you didn't get stronger or every time a week goes by and you didn't see a change in the mirror. It's a fucking process, guys. Like this stuff takes time. And honestly, six months, eight months, 12 months is not that long in terms of your entire life. Does that mean you'll see zero results in six to 12 months? Absolutely not. But I guarantee you, they're probably not going to be the results that you thought you were going to see because you're comparing yourself to ads and Instagram transformation pictures no one transforms their body in 16 weeks unless they're doing 
something crazy drastic, or in some situations, they have a really, really good, solid base built that they've been slowly working at for 10 years, and then they do something for eight weeks that brings out that definition. So don't get fucking crazed out about those transformation pictures online. They're for marketing. People post them to market. Um, and I see that all the time. I see it with coaches I know, and, and I'm not shitting on them by any means. Uh, you know, if you have an awesome transformation picture as a coach, you want to post it. You're proud of your client. You're proud of the work that you put in. But at the end of the day, like if you see a woman who's in her late 40s and she goes from, you know, kind of in shape to shredded in eight weeks, it wasn't because she did anything magic. She probably had a really good base build, had been strength training for a long period of time, but just wasn't locking in her nutrition. And then they locked in the nutrition, probably did something a little bit extreme and pushed it. But they're doing so with a long-term plan in place. If you are someone who has never committed to long-term you know sustainability if you haven't been doing this for you know five to ten years if you still you know say that you're super consistent but you're you know drinking seven margaritas on the weekends like you're just not going to see that type of uh you know transformation in eight weeks it takes time so track your monthly and yearly progress but don't live and die by it just notice am i getting stronger am i feeling better Am I being more consistent? Am I enjoying the process more? Again, that's super important. I just had a conversation yesterday with a client on the phone and she was saying how she's feeling great. She's, you know, this is the best she's ever felt, the stronger she's ever felt, the most confident she's ever felt. She actually truly believes she can do this now. She is seeing more muscle definition than ever before. She's leaner than ever before, stronger than ever before. And she was just like, I just wanna make sure that like, this is okay and that I'm still doing it right. And I had said to her, I said, what would, you know, what would, uh, what would make you think that it's not? She's like, well, you know, I'm feeling these things. I just want to make sure that this is what I'm supposed to be feeling. And I just kind of chuckled. And I'm like, so you're feeling the best you've ever felt and you're wondering if that's okay. And it's just because people are used to dieting and fitness being torturous. And I said, as long as you're feeling this way, then you don't need to make any major changes. Like if you want to push things a little bit in certain areas, we can, but like at the end of the day, you have to be tracking how you feel and how she feels at this time this year versus how she felt a year ago uh, is drastically different. How she felt six months ago, drastically different. She's someone who used to be on blood pressure medication and now is getting off of it. She's someone who, you know, used to not be confident in her body and now is super feeling super confident. That's more important than what the scale says. So Pay attention to your monthly and yearly progress. Don't live and die by the week to week. This is a big one. Uh, and it might not sound like any news to you, but nutrition is key. Nutrition is the key. So you can work out, and, and I hate the term, I hate the phrase, you can't outwork a bad diet. But at the end of the day, like your food and your nutrition consistency is the main driver of change in your, you know, physique, how you how your body changes, whether or not you're losing weight, whether or not you are seeing more definition, whether or not your clothes are fitting better. Your training should stimulate the muscle growth and your nutrition should bring out the definition and bring out the, the tone and all that stuff. So pay attention to your nutrition. Have basic principles in place. It's not about meal timing and all this and carb cycling and all these things that you'll probably read about. Are you eating enough protein every day? Are you getting in adequate calories so not starving yourself are you getting in enough calories throughout the week throughout the month to support 
good performance in the gym? Are you eating fruits and vegetables? Are you eating mostly whole food, lean proteins? Um, not living off protein shakes and bars. Like, are you moderating processed foods? You know, are you getting, are you drinking enough water? Like, simple principles in place so that you know when you wake up, your day food-wise is relatively predictable most of the time. It doesn't have to be strict and perfect every day, but can you pretty much predict what a day in your life is going to look like food-wise? Um, and do you have control over that prediction? Not, well, you know, normally I wake up and I have coffee and I didn't prepare breakfast, so I stop at Starbucks for a muffin, and then I, I, I work through lunch because I'm so, so busy, and then I'm scarfing down a, you know, an acai bowl on the way to pick up my kids from school and then dragging and then bringing them to sports, and then I'm too tired to cook, so I grab Subway. Like, <laughs> that's predictable, but it's not controlled. Is your nutrition predi predictable and controlled most of the time? And do you have, uh, you know, certain principles, non-negotiables in place to keep it consistent. Next one is be well-rounded. I wish I was more well-rounded when I first started. Uh, some people are strictly doing cardio and they don't focus at all on getting stronger. Some people like me, when I was younger, I only focused on lifting weights and getting stronger and trying to build muscle and I didn't do mobility and I didn't do cardio. And then I got into my mid-20s and started working out with my uh, friends who were trainers and they had me run two miles with them and I felt like I was going to fucking die. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't, didn't keep up with my cardio. And for me, that's usually the thing that always takes backseat. I'll lift weights four to five days a week, year round without fail. Um, but cardio, it just takes me <laughs> that extra mental push to get myself to do it. So that's one of my goals for this year is to focus more on my conditioning. Uh, but be well-rounded, you know. Everything is important. If you had to list it in order of importance, I would say that the most important one is strength training. Uh, that's going to be probably the best bang for your buck. I would make sure that that is the main thing that you're focusing on. Uh, and then supplement with some mobility and cardio. So what that means is if you can only commit three days to the gym, you should spend about, you know, more than two thirds of that focusing on getting stronger. And then the other leftover is going to be mobility and cardio. So what does that look like? That means, you know, before your workouts, you're doing a five minute warm up where you're stretching the muscles that need to be stretched. You're priming the muscles that need to be primed. So if you're doing an upper body day, that means you're probably, you know, loosening up your shoulders and you're doing some like face pulls or band pull aparts or rows to get your upper back fired up. If you're doing a leg day or a lower body day, you're doing some hip mobility stretches. You're doing some glute bridges. You're maybe doing some planks to get the glutes and the core and the fired up and get the hips loosened up. And if you're doing a full body day, you're probably doing a mixture of both of those things. That's as simple as warming up is. Obviously, it, you know, when you're having it programmed by a coach, it's a little bit, has a little bit more intention behind it, but that's as basic as you can get. If you're doing upper body, you want your shoulders to feel good. You want your upper back to feel fired up. You're doing lower body. You want your hips to feel good, your knees to feel good, and you want your hamstrings and your glutes to be fired up. So that means you're doing a glute or hamstring exercise before squatting and lunging. You're doing, uh, you know, upper back exercises before you're doing any sort of upper body. But do some mobility prior to your lifts. Do your sh quality strength training. You know, if you're going to the gym three days a week, at least two or all three of those days should be focused mainly on strength training. And your cardio can just be supplemented in. You know, a couple days a week, doing 20, 30-minute jog, uh, doing the elliptical, doing a spin class if you like, doing uh, hiking, you know, going for walks. 
uh, playing tennis, like doing something to just move around uh, is, is good in addition to the strength training. So in order of importance, it would probably be strength training first, cardio second, mobility third, uh, but trying to fit them all in uh, in some way. Next up, pay attention to your health first before your physical goals. This is super important. Like your health is invaluable, obviously, but everyone says they want to get healthier, but then all they're focusing on is how they look. And I used to be there too. I used to be the person who was like, oh, I'm a trainer, like, you know, focusing on health. But all I cared about was like being either as muscular and strong as possible or trying to get as lean as possible. And I never focused on my health. I wasn't paying attention to food quality. I wasn't paying attention to, you know, how do I feel every day? Like, how's my digestion? How's my mental health? How's my, uh, you know, am I getting sick all the time? Like, these are things you need to be paying attention to. Um, going into my 30s now, like, I want to start making that more of a priority. And I feel like I'm healthier now at 32 than I was at 22. Like, very much so. Eating better quality foods, getting better sleep, uh, you know, actually intentionally working on my mental health, like meaning like, you know, talking to a therapist, meaning that I'm, you know, trying to intentionally have like positive thoughts and, and actually sometimes just being aware and digging into some of those mental health patterns that we get ourselves into very important, but also like digestion. Like I used to have like the worst digestion. I would, you know, just always have stomach issues all the time. And I was someone who you could probably relate to this. It was just like, Oh, genetics. That's just how, or that's just how I am. I just have a bad digestion or I just, my stomach's always messed up and I wasn't taking responsibility for it. Now I really pay attention to are the foods I'm eating how are they making me feel? And it's caused me to really reduce the amount of like eating out that I do. I've, I've really reduced the amount of alcohol I drink. Like I was always, I didn't have a drink until I was like 27. Uh, I never drank. And then, uh, you know, 27 to now. So that's five years. I've been like what I would probably describe as like a casual drinker. Definitely not, definitely not a heavy drinker, but I was someone who would have drinks, you know, one, two, uh, two nights a week regularly. Sometimes, you know, if you're on vacation, it's more. Um, but I've honestly gotten to a point now where I don't really see the value in drinking uh, alcohol. And that's just a personal choice. It's not because it's it's not a weight loss decision or anything like that. Or like a, I'd say that it's bad. Um, if I want to drink, like if we go out to dinner or something like that, I'll get one. But I haven't really, I haven't had a drink in like probably, I don't know three, four weeks right now. And again, it's not like I had a drinking problem or I'm like, oh, I'm sober now. If if the occasion arises and I want to drink, I'll have a drink. But for right now, I don't really crave one. And I don't want to, uh, I don't really even like crave the taste of it right now. I don't really like, like the way it makes my stomach feel. And uh, yeah, so as I've gotten older, I've just kind of like, kind of gotten with more in tune with like what decisions make me feel my best and which ones don't. And then last one is going to be sleep, something I did not focus on until like my 30s. Um, I used to think that like I could operate on four hours of sleep and I used to, you know, 
scroll on my phone or watch TV and then like just conk out on the couch and then wake up at two o'clock in the morning and then get in bed for a couple hours and then wake up at four o'clock in the morning, rush to work again, health. I would just wake up stressed out. Wouldn't have breakfast prepared, go in, train clients, have a protein shake, you know, grab Chipotle for lunch, lift weights, have a protein shake, grab something for dinner. Like that was how I lived as a busy trainer. And now I just wish I had the knowledge I have now back then to be better prepared for those days, to be more, uh, you know, uh, you know, in tune with how sleep affects you and, and prioritizing that stuff. So whenever I give you guys advice, remember that it's coming from a place of, oh, I've made those mistakes before and I've learned from them. So I don't want you to make the same ones. But now like getting a good night's sleep is like the holy grail for me. Like I'll put that almost above anything. There are definitely times where I will, um, you know, sacrifice an hour of sleep in order to wake up and work out or there's sometimes where I just need to get up and get work done. I need to respond to clients or do client programs or whatever it is that need to get done. But at the end of the day, like I really make an intention to prioritize sleep, to try to get to bed earlier, to think about ways that I can make my sleep better. Um, and it's very, very important to me. And I know the difference between a good night's sleep and a bad night's sleep based on how I feel the next day. And it's not worth feeling like shit to stay up and watch extra Netflix or anything like that. So anyway, guys, those are a few things you should focus on. Get your identity, your actions, your intentions all in line with each other. And I'll talk to you soon. Let me know if this was helpful.